Hey, fellow Boundary Breakers, if your current delegation systems are not working to get you out of the day-to-day in your business, there is an exercise on our website that is the first step to get you out of the delegation catch-22. I'm going to throw the link in the show notes for you to go ahead and download. We want to differentiate ourselves from the competition and find something or some things that we do that nobody else does. We want to be unique. And being unique makes it very easy for a customer to make a decision because when you put the two things next to each other, one of them is clearly different. Now, not everybody is going to choose you when you're different, but the right people are going to choose you and you are making it easier for those right people to find you. Welcome to another episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. I'm your host, Casey Gromer. I am the founder of She Sweet Boutique. With over 20 years of marketing and business management experience, I work with small businesses and female founders using our signature business blueprint. On the show, you get tools, advice, resources, support, and encouragement that resonates with the modern businesswoman. So fellow Boundary Breakers, let's dive in. Hello, fellow Boundary Breakers. And welcome. You are listening to another episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. This is the podcast that challenges you to forget the stale, outdated, and inflexible business practices so you can embrace a new way of achieving success and leave room for your life in the process. I am recording this episode in Minnesota, central Minnesota to be specific, at the beginning of June. And I'm a little bit out of my mind right now because in Minnesota at the beginning of June, it is typically not that warm out. And by not that warm, I mean, we're talking like upper 60s, lower 70s, that's kind of the average temp. But this week in Minnesota, we are hitting the upper 90s. And in my little office, my cute, sweet little office, there is no air conditioning. And as I'm recording this, my windows are closed because there's a lot of street noise below my office. So if I can encourage you to just send me a little bit of sympathy, that would be great. I do not know what is happening with Mother Nature right now. Maybe her three kids are out of school for the summer and she is just in a mood. I want to kick off today's podcast episode just mentioning again another mention of the child care crisis. I know we talked about it in a previous episode, but I've really been digging into this. This broken system of child care and lack of child care and the high cost of child care and the low quality child care and the fact that there are no child care workers because the pay is so terrible, it is a broken system. And it is a broken system that impacts everybody, but it most heavily negatively impacts women. And this is one of the reasons that I am doing what I do right now, which is supporting women in business. And I do this because I am so sad and I am so tired of seeing wonderful women 
everywhere who are held back from everything in their lives. They're held back because of this broken system. And we as women in business, we need more flexibility. We need more options and we need more support. That's what I'm here to do. And uh, in case you are wondering what it is that I do, there is a new link on the She Sweet Boutique webpage, something I just tossed out there this week that goes into a little bit of detail on what is a fractional integrator and what might that look like to have someone like that in your business on a day-to-day basis? What do I do? You can check out that link at www.she-suiteboutique.com. And if you scroll down the homepage about halfway, there's a middle kind of square halfway down the homepage that says your virtual C-suite. And you have the option of clicking that link. And if you click it, it will explain a little bit more about this concept of fractional integrator or virtual C-suite. I will make sure that there's a link to that in the show notes in case you are wanting to know more. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about breaking the cycle of chasing your competition. And I am really excited to dig into this topic today. If you are new here and joining us for the first time, welcome. The format for this podcast is typically we start by lifting up or celebrating another female founder because we need more of that in our lives. We'll dive into tackling this topic of interest to you as a business owner. And I always like to close with some sort of deep thought, current event, or something of that nature that's really relevant to women in business, whether it's relevant to us as moms, as business owners, or just as life in general. So that is what we're going to be doing today. But first, let us celebrate another female founder who is breaking boundaries. I saw an article published recently about Joanna Griffiths. Joanna is the CEO of Nixware. And in case you haven't heard of Nixware, I think they are kind of the first to market with these period panties. So Nixware is an undergarment company for women. They have these period proof underwear, which I think are absorbent. I don't own a pair, but I'm I'm very interested in this idea. So they're absorbent. So, you know, they help prevent leaks and, you know, all of those other wonderful things that come along with having your period. Nixwear is very innovative in the undergarment world. And Joanna is known for saying, all right, your your lacy under things are nice and cute and sexy, but they're not that functional. And so her company focuses basically on innovative products. And you can find more out about this company or try out those period proof underwear at nixwear.com, which is K-N-I-X-W-E-A-R.com. Of course, we will put a link up to that in the show notes. 
Now, we're lifting up Joanna today. Speaking of the childcare issue, we are lifting up Joanna today because she is taking a huge lead in helping us ladies lead this fight against gender bias in the business world. Because while she was pregnant, and she was not just pregnant, ladies, this gal was having twins for the love. Can you even imagine? I cannot imagine. For all of my twin moms out there, I salute you. I bow to you. You are amazing. You are just, I can't even fathom what, you, <laughs> what you've gone through. So she's pregnant with twins, and she is seeking funding for her business, Nixware. And as she's interviewing these different investors, of course, you know, there's the interview process and the investor and the investee, we have to all agree to work together, correct? So as she's being interviewed by and interviewing investors, some of them were questioning her ability to lead her company because she was pregnant. And of course, we all know what happens as the result of pregnancy, right, is children. So children come after the pregnancy and they were questioning that she would even be able to lead a company because she's pregnant and because she's soon going to be a mom. Do you know what Joanna said? She said, bye, Felicia. And she shut that down. And in the end, she successfully raised $53 million for her company. This woman is the epitome of my idea of breaking boundaries, because there is this unspoken rule, and not just in the investor, you know, the investor financing world about not raising capital while pregnant. But this was rampant when I was in corporate, because immediately when a woman employee would become pregnant, there was this question about where does her priority lie? You know, is she going to dedicate her entire waking life to the job? And so, and while we probably don't say that out loud, because there's probably some HR issues with doing that, it was there. So Joanna, this is what breaking boundaries looks like. She's questioning these invisible lines that are drawn that tell us what it looks like to be a woman in business. And breaking boundaries is creating our own rules and defining our own success. And I, I would venture to say that Joanna did that. So Joanna, we lift you up, not only for creating period-proof underwear, which hello, but also for believing that there is another way and that you're not confined to this box of rules that you didn't create. It is time to get to our content today. I want to ask you, are you wasting valuable energy worrying about what your competition is doing and trying to keep up with that? Today, I want to share with you some ideas for things that you might consider doing instead. What does it even mean to chase the competition? You know, the most obvious definition of chasing the competition is that we're playing this comparison game. We're keeping up with the Joneses. And as we're playing this comparison game and looking around at what everyone else is doing and then trying to keep up with what they're doing and match them throw for throw, we are becoming not a leader in the industry, but we are becoming a follower. There's a lot of negative impact that can happen if you're a follower and not a leader. 
Also, chasing the competition looks like trying to change or morph your products to be similar to what other people are offering or morphing your services to what other people are offering. It might show up in the way of very similar marketing campaigns. And you might be showing up in the same places in the same way. Why do we do this, ladies? There's probably a lot of underlying context to this question that I am not qualified to answer. It probably requires a psychology degree or something to that effect. But why do we do this? So from a business perspective, I know a lot of clients who tend to chase the competition have this thought process that if it's working for them, then it might work for me too. So that's kind of an obvious reason we might chase the competition. And sometimes we're subconsciously questioning ourselves, am I losing out on customers because they are choosing the competition over me? So if you're worried about losing customers to the competition, your first thought might be, I better do what the competition is doing so I can win those customers instead of losing them. Another reason we might chase the competition is because we lack the time or the space to create our own ideas or our own focus. We might have a lack of market research or understanding of our own audience's needs or our own niche. And so we rely on our competition to do that for us. And when they do that for us, that means that we need to mirror what they were doing so we can capitalize on what they know that we might not know. And the last reason I thought of why we might chase the competition, and I'm going to refer you here again to Melina Palmer's book, What Your Customer Wants and Can't Tell You, We might chase our competition because of this concept, this behavioral concept called herding or the herd mentality. And if you want to understand a little bit about how herd mentality works, you can get Melina's book. It is in chapter 11. Herd mentality or herding is basically a survival technique. Because if everyone else is doing something, it must be the right thing to do. And so this is kind of an innate thinking process for humans is that if I want to survive, I better do what everybody else is doing because obviously they know something I don't. So that is why or a few of the reasons you know, why we might choose to chase the competition, right, wrong, or indifferent. But what is the harm In doing that, what are some of the bad things that might happen if we have this mentality of playing the comparison game? One of the things that I've noticed in clients who are playing this comparison game or chasing the competition is burnout. Not only burnout from yourself, but burnout from your team. It is hard to always be trying to stay ahead of the game, to keep up with somebody else whose focus and resources might be different than yours, to try to predict where they're going to go next. And burnout can come from whiplash, which is another negative thing that can happen, 
with chasing the competition. And whiplash is when we're headed in a certain direction, our teams are focused on getting certain things done, our plans and our goals are focused on a certain area, and all of a sudden we rip the rug out from under everybody and we immediately change directions. What happens when we do that is we lose out on all of the effort and the thought and the work that has gone into going in the first direction before it's ever completed. And then we have to start over and head in a completely new direction with new thought and new work and hope that we can stick there until that gets done. Another thing that happens when we're constantly chasing the competition is a lack of focus. So we're obviously not going to be focused on ourselves if we're always looking at someone else. And if we're not looking at ourselves, we are chasing someone else's business goals and someone else's business strategy and not our own. The interesting thing about doing that is we have no idea what their goals are or their strategy because we don't have visibility into the back end of their business. So we're doing what they're doing without understanding why we're doing it. And that is bad because if we don't know why we're doing something, your teams can't perform, they can't support you, and they can't get things done really well because they all they know is they're delivering something and they don't really know why. The last point I'm going to make here is probably the biggest negative impact of chasing the competition that I could think of. And it's something that we work through with our clients in our business blueprint sessions. And this is that when you're chasing the competition, you are blending in and you are not standing out. I'm on a huge camo phase right now. So if you look into my closet, it goes black, 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 blue, camouflage, camouflage, black, 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 blue, camouflage, camouflage. Ooh, I can make a little dance out of this. But anyway, so I'm on this camouflage kick right now, camouflage kick. And the purpose of camouflage is to go out into the woods or whatever and blend in with your surroundings so nobody can pick you out. The animals can't see you. You're very stealthy. But what happens when we blend in in the business world is that our ideal audience, our customers, their customers can't make a decision because if you put same and same right next to each other, it's like, I don't know how to choose because they're so much the same that I could use either one and there would be no difference. So you're making it harder for your customers to make a decision. And if they can't make a decision and it's same against same, now you've created a commodity product and a commodity product is competing on price. So that means the only way you have left to stand out in the market is to keep lowering your price. Does that sound good to you? Does that feel good to you to know that all of this thought and work that you've put into your business, your service, your product, and it just comes down to how low can you go? That's terrible for margins. It's terrible for profitability. It's just all around probably not a good idea. So the goal here then, the point I want to make is that instead of chasing the competition and trying to look more like them, we want to stand out. We want to call attention to ourselves by being different. And this is in the business blueprint. This is what it's all about in our section of doing this competitive analysis. 
we want to differentiate ourselves from the competition and find something or some things that we do that nobody else does. We want to be unique. And being unique makes it very easy for a customer to make a decision because when you put the two things next to each other, one of them is clearly different. Now, not everybody is going to choose you when you're different, but the right people are going to choose you and you are making it easier for those right people to find you. That customer is making a decision whether to buy from you based on the best fit for the needs. Now, the reason why this is important is if they're choosing based on the best fit, chances are they're going to have a better experience buying from you or working with you than they would have if you know you have same and same. And so if they have a good experience, they're going to share that experience with others they're going to keep buying from you over and over again because they know that you're a good fit for them. How do you stand out? This is also part of the business blueprint. And one of the ways that we figure out how we stand out is to conduct a competitive analysis. What is a competitive analysis? In its simplest terms, you're basically comparing yourself to your competition. Now, we can make this competitive analysis as complicated or as simple as we need to. I don't think it matters as much how complicated you make it more than actually going through the exercise of comparing yourself to the other choices that your customers might have in the market to serve the same need. So if we're conducting a competitive analysis, we might look at things like what markets are served by both companies. Do you have a niche? Do you have a target market? Do you have specific customers? What is the location of the services, the products? Or you might compare how they are distributed whether they're online, for example, or through a retail store or a mail order program or a subscription-based business, whatever that might be. There's other basic information that you can compare, like how long have you both been in business? What size are the companies? How much revenue do you have? That sort of thing. Those things can make a difference in how you approach your unique value. And obviously, we're going to be looking at what do those companies offer? What do they do well? Where do they struggle? And what do they do better than you? Finally, you want to look at what you do better than they do. In the end, we have to look at all of this information and not only all the information from one competitor, but from any competitor. If you have two or three top competitors that you're looking at, you have to look at all of the information across all of the competitors And you have to try to pull out of that analysis something that truly makes you unique, something that you're doing really well that they aren't, or something you're doing differently that they aren't doing. And that becomes your unique value. This is filling a niche customer need that no one else can serve. This unique value is going to then become part of your messaging because you'll need to communicate that to customers so that they recognize the difference between you and their other choices. 
let's talk a little bit about what makes a unique value. Because I can tell you the majority of businesses who I work with or talk to that share with me what their unique values or you know what your unique things are will come with some very generic terms like our customer service makes us stand out. This is one I see over and over. And I'm here to tell you without a doubt, it does not. You are not the only company out there that has customer service and you are not the only company out there that has good customer service. Even if you think your customer service is better, it does not make you stand out. Now, how you can turn that into a unique value is to look at your customer service and compare it to other people's customer service. Now, is there something unique about the way you deliver your customer service? Is there something unique about the process? Is there something unique about the way that you serve your customers that nobody else is doing? You have to get very focused on what it is that's unique, what specific thing. And then not only is it unique, but you have to be able to relate it back to the customer. And why might that benefit the customer? And why do they care about that thing that makes you unique? So that's an example of how to look at your unique value. And you have to truly ask yourself, can I honestly say no one else is doing this? And if they're not doing it as well as we are, why is that? What is it about how we do this or what we do with this that makes us stand out? I'm going to share an example with you of someone that we've worked with in the past who we did the competitive analysis. This is somebody in the arts and crafts field. I'm going to try not to share too much information because we have client confidentiality. So somebody in the arts and crafts field and the products that this company offered were very unique. They were hard to find. They were high end. It was geared towards an audience that was more advanced. So when we looked across their competition, they're not the only company that's doing this, that are offering these high-end, you know, unique products. But one of the things that they were doing differently is that these high-end, unique products they were offering in the arts and crafts industry were in limited supply because of how they were sourced. There's just limited supply. And When the business owner came to me and was asking for help with her business blueprint, we talked about how do I keep up with the demand? You know, we started with the intention of figuring out ways to serve the customers to keep up with the demand. And what we ended on after conducting this competitive analysis and, you know, of course, wrapping it into the rest of the blueprint work is what we found was exclusivity was actually her unique. And so the limited supply or the limited quantity or availability of her product was actually what drew people to her because she's offering something to the customers that satisfied their need of wanting to be different from everybody else and wanting to stand out in the crowd. And so by offering this exclusivity, she's able to attract people who that is important to, and she can charge accordingly and run her business model accordingly. And as she is incorporating other products and services into the business, she can keep in mind that this exclusivity is part of the business model. So that's an example of how conducting this competitive analysis and uncovering something that makes you unique can be applied 
to the business. I want to summarize what we talked about today and just wrap things up pretty quickly. If you are one of these people that are chasing the competition right now, you and your team are burning precious energy and you're losing focus on what's most important. So instead of chasing the competition, spend some time uncovering and focusing on your unique value or what makes you stand out versus trying to blend in. And then once you uncover that unique value, embrace it. Really latch onto that and incorporate it into your strategic plan, incorporate it into your marketing and your messaging and all the aspects of your business and really stand out to your customers and attract them. Lastly, if you are looking for some extra support on this particular topic or help in finding your own unique value, you can hop on an advisory call with us, which is just a 60-minute call where we will dive into your competitive analysis. We'll do as much as we can on the call. And by the end of the call, we can help you uncover at least one unique about your business that can help you stand out. And coming soon, these might even be available by the time that this podcast episode launches, but we are working on a suite of self-service tools. Would that be helpful for you? So these tools would be in support of all the podcast episodes that I've released to date so that you can download them and give it a shot on your own. If you are interested in some of these self-service tools, go ahead and message me on Instagram at Casey underscore Gromer or on LinkedIn. Tell me what self-service tools you would find most helpful. And I cannot wrap up today's episodes without a deep thought. This deep thought is keeping with this broken child care system theme Fortune of the Fortune 100 and Fortune 500, Fortune just released their latest list. And in that list, 41 women are now CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. This is an improvement over previous years. Two of those companies are run by Black women So Walgreens and the Teachers Insurance and Annuity Association, which is TIAA, those both of those companies now have Black women CEOs. So this is great progress. We are moving in the right direction. Let's do a little happy dance. But at the same time, I'm still really sad because while we are making progress, the percent of women CEOs of Fortune 500 companies is still extremely dismal. Let me do the math for you, ladies. 41 out of 500 is 8.2%. So 8.2% of Fortune 500 CEOs are women and 0.4% are Black women. So while we're celebrating our progress simultaneously, we can do better. So many of our big corporations are paying lip service to diversity, equity, inclusion, and not taking action. For so long, we as a country have been led to believe that 
the reason there are so few women in these leadership positions is because there is a gap in skill and ability. And this is why women are not getting hired or getting chosen for leadership. And I have to pull the giant red BS flag on that. Because who says that? Who is telling us that the reason women are not getting into leadership positions is because of skill and ability? Who is telling us that? I'm not naming names, but white men are overrepresented in the corporate world. It is not their fault necessarily. I mean, maybe it is. And I'm not picking on them. I mean, are they going to willingly step aside and let women take over these prestigious sought after roles that they have? Maybe they will, but maybe they won't. And who can blame them? I wouldn't want to hand over my role to someone else. But how else then are we to go about breaking these boundaries and keeping women out of these positions? In 2018, McKinsey, they did a study of 1,000 companies in 12 countries, and they found that companies with executive teams that had more diversity were 21% more likely to achieve greater than average profitability. They also found that ethnic and cultural diversity increased performance by 33%. So there is no reason why women and minorities should not be in leadership positions. So with all that said, I am here creating this podcast to encourage you to keep being bold. This is how we do this. This is how we make change. We do what we can. We keep being bold. We keep speaking up. We keep breaking those boundaries like Joanna Griffiths did. We keep doing that, doing whatever little thing we can. Every little bit helps. This podcast, the She Sweet business model, we are all focused on any little change we can to support this movement. The more successful women there are in business, the easier that these sweeping and lasting changes will be. Join me, ladies, in the conversation on LinkedIn. Request a connection. Send a little note so I know you're not a spammer. Follow me on Instagram at Casey underscore Gromer. Let's keep having these conversations. I'm begging you, don't get held back by a broken society. Change does not happen on its own. It doesn't happen with just one person. Get out there and break some boundaries. Honey, what is it that you wanted to tell our listeners today? Get out there and break some boundaries and do it for me and my generation. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. If you enjoyed this episode, would you be willing to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in? You can connect with me on LinkedIn using the link in the show notes. And until next week, Don't be afraid to get out there and break some boundaries.